What is up, everybody? This is John Drake from the Nerf Herder Council and Talking Into Infinity, and you are listening to Discography Discussion. Goddamn right you are. You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 265, Guns and Roses, with John Drake of the Nerf Herder Council. By the way, I'm listening. I'm going to mix myself a drink while you're talking. Hosted by Dan Terry. Not in my little car. My car's so small, I have to put it on. You know, <laughs> like I, I couldn't. No way. Yeah, no way. Right? <laughs> and Joseph Wren. It's the Duke Nukem Forever of rock records. Yeah, it is. <laughs> exactly. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you're ready for me to take you down to the Paradise City, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. John Drake is here from the Nerf Herder Council. What's up? Yeah! Are you ready, John? I am very, very very ready to tell Dan why he is wrong about Guns N' Roses. Oh, bro, you know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you come up with legitimate points, we will edit them out to make me look good. <laughs> I'm bulletproof, baby. I don't get paid for that. <laughs> but you do get paid in scotch. So, you know, we figured that out. I'm subscribing on Patreon so that I can pay for your scotch. And speaking of Patreon, maybe, Joe, why don't you mention how people can subscribe to you on Patreon. That's called a segue. John Drake is trying to sell this podcast to everyone, and we appreciate that. You can find all of the extra content we offer at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have individual album reviews. We have shout outs. We have monthly hangouts. It just depends how much money you think we're worth, and we appreciate every dollar you contribute to the podcast. John Drake, are we going to see you on the next Hangout? 100%. Give me the date, give me the time, and I'm there. Ooh, we're going to hang out. I'm excited. So much Hangouts. So much Hangout. <laughs> so much 80s hard rock. I'm not going to call them a metal band. I'm just I'm just not going to. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I, hard rock is where we live on this episode. You're goddamn right. And, <laughs> you know... <laughs> this is an episode I've been dreading to do, and this is not going to be a Pantera situation where I'm just going to just fucking, this band is the, just fucking horrible. I, I, I'm definitely more confused by this band than I am offended, <laughs> if that if that makes sense. You're, all, you're also, also the reason it's going to be different than the Pantera episode is that uh, your, your uh, guest host is not going to be pissed off at you for like a year for dogging on the band we're talking about. Right, right. So, <laughs> Take I've, that, Toomey, you he, bastard. He might, still, <laughs> he might still be mad. I don't know. <laughs> Toomey's always he mad. He doesn't talk to me that often, so I, I assume, <laughs> but I assume that's why. So He's like, he doesn't talk to me very often, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Guns N' Roses is a confusing band, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Dan, because, like, I, I really thought, like, you guys brought me on because, like, you guys both really like guns, like. And it, they're a very unique band because they've been, I mean, just the fact they've been on a reunion tour for damn near seven years now, like, oh, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. And and I got suckered in too. Like, I, you know, my wife and I have seen it. We saw it in 2016. We're like, oh, they're back. 
We saw them last summer. Oh, they're back. Like, wait, what the fuck? They've been back for, you know. So this well, they is never be technically awesome went away. That depends oh, they, on who oh, you ask. I mean, they did, yeah. but they didn't. I don't know. It's it's a, it's like I said, it's very confusing. They went away. All right. They went away. So let's <laughs> Joe off to you. <laughs> they went away. They had an album for near 20 years. They eventually released it. And I got my free Dr. Pepper. How about you, John? <laughs> I did too. I did too. <laughs> Excellent reference, by the way. No one remembers that part of it. <laughs> I must have missed out on that. I know they. I know they offered like, hey, if they put this out before the end of the year, then we will give everyone a free Dr Pepper. It was yes. delicious. Which apparently Axl Rose was like stoked about. He thought that was the best thing that he'd ever heard. Oh, you mean I'm gonna get a free soda? Yeah, I bet that's how he <laughs> actually <laughs> talks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's Axel's actual voice. <laughs> I haven't. I need a cheeseburger. He's a spoken word fries? artist. Yeah, <laughs> right. he doesn't even sing. He's just spoken word artist. That's just what his voice times. sounds like. It was the worst <laughs> of times. His, his his actual speaking voice is is on the records, and when he goes like out in public and does interviews, like yeah, I'm Axel Rose. That's his actual singing voice. Right. He's right. the exact opposite of like Jeff Tate and Joe Elliott and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! When are we gonna do? A, when are we gonna do a Queensrÿche episode? <laughs> I'm in for that one, dude. There you go. Am I a piece of shit <laughs> for thinking that this guy's that singing voice is completely manufactured inside of his own head? Uh, for Axel, man, um, don't get me wrong. Dude, he fucking owns it. But at what point did he pick the mic up and say, "I want to sound like this"? All right. So before we get into this, I will say this. And again, like for anybody listening, I, I am a singer. I'm not a great singer, but I, I do sing. I, I make a nice side living singing. So I, I have a little bit of insider information on this. Warming up when, is important. When, yeah. Yes. Dude. And, and that's another thing. That guy takes an hour and a half to two hours before the show and after to warm up and cool down. Like he really cares about his voice. So that's one of the things we'll bring up later is like. Dude, Axel actually gives a flying fuck about his voice, unlike Stephen Piercy, Don Dokken, you know, guys like that. But, dude, as a singer, like, when you start singing, what comes out comes out. So when he started singing, it was, oh, shit, I can, you know, I sing like this, and now I can sing like this. Like, like it just happens. Like, he's, I can do this. And it's natural for him. You, you don't try to sing a certain way. When you try to sing a certain way, you suck, and then you just never go anywhere, man. It's like, so Axel, like, that's just what he does. You know I mean? Jeff Tate's the same way. Like, listen to Jeff Tate's speaking voice and Axel Rose's speaking voice, and then listen to their singing voices, and they're just soaring, monstrous, you know, like, huge. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. 80s yeah. huge also. Yep. Back when everybody threw the reverb and a little bit of delay on it, and everything just fucking works. I like Guns N' Roses, but I look back and say, everybody fell in love with the idea of Guns N' Roses. Here's a band that's hard rock in the late 80s that's not doing the triggered, fake, I'm gonna say Def Leppard thing. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Def Leppard. Right. But here's a band that can rock. It's almost like an Aerosmith thing, and everybody just bought in, like, this band is gonna be the next Aerosmith. They're gonna write these non-standard rock songs that are going to be longer than three and a half minutes. Wait a minute, wait a minute, non-standard? Uh, totally, dude. Okay, bud. Do you <laughs> <laughs> dude, I mean, you're right, though. Like, like, and, I mean, Guns N' Roses was that, like you said, Aer Aerosmith's, like, the perfect example, because that's obviously one of Slash's, like, biggest influences, like, you know, Joe Perry, and, and, you know, and, like, it, it was like an Aerosmith thing. It was like those the hard rock songs, but it was, you know, and I know this this will probably sound cliche, but it's really true when you listen to it. It's Aerosmith 
if you put Aerosmith on a bunch of coke, heroin, and booze, like you know, just in a little bit of speed, like it's it's that just jacked up, you know, so, like a so muscular. Aerosmith. Dan, what what did I just say? It, but 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 Aerosmith. <laughs> what about Aerosmith mixed with Motley Crue? Can we say that? I w- I would do that. I would do that. So would yeah. Motley Crue. <laughs> they could have brought some of Motley Crue's. They could have brought some of Motley Crue's riffs with them. Well, <laughs> oh, see, see, not see. I thought we were going to go throughout the catalog, but we're already off and running. Dan, you off air. You are not a fan of Guns N' Roses, and you just said, "Oh, Motley Crue's riffs are better than Guns N' Roses." What you just said, which is a complete and utter horrific fallacy. John, so explain yourself. You got to take a ride in the wild side right, every me, now and then. Let me explain. <laughs> let me explain what I mean. Um, I enjoy Motley Crue's riffs more than I enjoy Guns N' Roses riffs. <laughs> Does that That's make sense? That's awesome content. That's awesome content. It also, <laughs> it, also, uh, it also boils down to the fact that Motley Crue is a metal band and Guns N' Roses is a sometimes metal band. I'm not criticizing okay. them for not being necessarily a metal band, but met- Discuss Metal Dan's going to like more metal style riffs <laughs> overall. Okay. <laughs> than he is I don't I don't like the weird sort of blues swing sort of sound of bands like ah, Guns N' okay. Roses. Right. Okay, I'm not going to shit on them for playing the kind of music that they wanted to play. I'm not going to be that guy. Okay? okay. But um what I what I am getting at is that this band the thing that is surprising and confusing to me about this band is that for as popular as they are they don't have a lot of material. Like That's a little true. okay, like like spoilers. The first record is a classic, right? Like one hundred percent. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but when I listen to it, I know what a classic record sounds like, and it's a classic. Top five record. rock record of all time, for sure. Top. No question. I mean, it's not mine, but that's fine. Um, but I get it. Most people would agree with that. Um, the second record is not even really a record. <laughs> it's 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 a it's, yeah. it's a half live album with fake crowd noise. And then a yes. bunch of fucking acoustic songs at the end of it. <laughs> and right. the, the fake Crowd Noise album was recorded before the actual debut album was recorded, yes. which is why it's slightly shittier in the way of like they worked their <laughs> way up to Appetite, you know? They worked right. up quite an appetite for Appetite. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, it's clever. I, my mom told me today how clever I was. Um, <laughs> but. I think that, you know, the third, re- you know, and then the third record is just like over. So it's two records in one. First of all, I already fucking hate albums that are an hour and 16 minutes long. So then you fucking give me two albums that are the same right. album. So it's like double that runtime. I'm I no, you you fucking lost me. <laughs> right. um, and then, yeah, I mean, you, you move on. We're going to talk about these records in more detail, but like. Yeah. You go on to the next record and it's a whole bunch of punk rock cover songs, which is fine. I mean, it wasn't no, it's terrible. It wasn't unenjoyable to listen to. Goat's it just garbage. didn't sound anything like the band that was on the cover, right? That's garbage. Okay. Well, that's that's your opinion and I, and it's correct, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to be really nice. I don't want I don't want to trigger you guys. Um, <laughs> trigger nice. Yeah, but it's too then, early uh, to trigger John Drake. But then it's just like a whole bunch of fucking nothing. And then you get Chinese democracy, which has like a serious identity crisis. And was clearly sitting on tape for over 10 years. <laughs> for a really long time. Yeah. It's yeah. like a tribute to the 90s. It's it's a weird, weird, weird fucking record. Well, and, and, and then you get the, the two new, the quote unquote two new songs. Right. Hard, right. hard School and Absurd, which are 
that is I, I can't even describe how bad those songs are. I saw I saw I saw Absurd live last August at Comerica Park in Detroit. And it was I, I think that was like the third show of the tour or something like that. So there wasn't a lot out. They had just released it on, you know, what I, I think I think on YouTube. It just released it somewhere. And my wife and I were driving to Detroit and we're like, all right, let's not, you know, we they gotta play this, so we'll wait to hear it live. Like and we were like, okay, cool, here's some new guns and roses. And they went into this song, and I was like, okay. And my wife's favorite band is Guns N' Roses, and I'm like, I didn't want to say anything, because like, if she was into it, I didn't want to shit on it. Trying to stay off the couch that night, John? Oh, dude, right? <laughs> but I'm not kidding. It had to be 45 seconds. She turns to me with a Mick Ultra in her hand, and she, you know she's been drinking, and, and so that's when she gets really honest. <laughs> she's just a beer girl, just drinks nothing but Mick Ultra. She goes, what the fuck? fuck is this <laughs> and i said this song is this is their new song it's called absurd she goes this is fucking absurd <laughs> and then took a swig of her beer and sits down i was like oh my god like that's the ultimate commentary so there you go Holy and then shit. they put out yeah and then, and then hard school comes out i'm like oh god this is awful so when they keep talking about oh we're gonna slash is like yeah there's a new guns record coming up we're gonna do this i'm like well, you better not do that, dude. <laughs> like you've been fucking because, saying that shit for over twenty years yeah, at this point. Yeah. Put up, shut up, or for God's sake, shut up. Yep. So we're gonna get into the I, I assume the discography in just a second. Oh yes. But Dan, Dan, I am going I am I'm gonna teach you something right now. I'm going to teach you about riff writing and about good riff writing. And you said Motley Crue is like I you know, I prefer Motley Crue riffs, Motley Crue riffs. Good riff writing is Motley Crue because they have awesome riffs. Agreed. But great riff writing is Guns N' Roses. I want you to do something for me after we're done with this podcast episode. Put in your earbuds and, and take one out and listen to Appetite for Destruction. You'll hear one guitar on that side. Okay, Listen to the song, then put it back in, take the other one out. Dude, the the it's a totally different guitar part in mo most of those songs on either side, and you don't know it because you 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 could we could sing the guitar riffs from Appetite for Destruction, but what we but what you don't know, and I didn't realize this until six months ago. Like I, one of my earbuds blew out, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" So I and then I was like, I did, and then I fixed it, put the other one in. Dude, Izzy and Slash are actually playing different things, and yet they come together to make the riff that we sing to the riff that we know it's fucking absolutely brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and you as much as you're not you know you don't like the bluesy shit like you said like you don't like this kind of stuff but you are a musician and you are a music fan dude i'm telling you listen listen to these songs in one ear and then listen to it in the other ear they're doing two totally different things but it comes together into one one consolidated riff that everyone sings. It's absolutely fucking kick ass. But only do that on appetite, right? Um, no, it's it's pretty much on the rest. Like, but unfortunately, you know, as we will get into, the, the future records are way too produced. Um, and you know, so it's. But I mean, yeah, it's pretty much on appetite, dude. Like, appetite is just a fucking brilliant record in every way that a record can be brilliant. So, Joe, take it away. Let's do this. <laughs> well, before John Drake knocks on heaven's fucking door, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, 
Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. If you want to leave us a review, leave us a review. If you don't want to, I mean, then don't. I can't tell you how to live your life. I mean, you, you just do what you do. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, keep, keep keep them coming. If there's something you want to say to us directly, though, send us an email, danandjoeshow@gmail.com. And uh, if you would like to sponsor a episode of the podcast with either your business or your band or whatever, whatever you got, send us an email, danandjoeshow@gmail.com. Tell us you want to sponsor an episode, and we'll see what we can do for you. John Drake, what is going on on the Nerf Herder Council on Talking Into Infinity? on whatever else you want to fucking plug go <laughs> so nerf herder council is a star wars centric podcast but we recently rebranded not really rebranded it's still the nerf herder council it's an all nerd all the time podcast fuck yes so, so yeah we as you know dude you are about to do a star trek episode with my co-host my favorite person on the planet my brother aj so you're gonna talk some trek you know uh so we're going to do I'm that. Down. We're going to do that. Uh, talking into infinity. I'm telling tales out of school, but uh, we will be live on March 10th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to do a deep dive into systematic chaos. So if you're into dream theater and you like systematic chaos, jump on. But we may be preempted because we might have dream theater themselves on to do a tour recap. It's either going to be that episode or the following episode, but we might have actually Dream Theater themselves on. Uh, so that is what's going on. But uh, yeah, check us out. Nerf Herder Council, uh, nerfherdercouncil.com, at NHC Podcast, uh, Talking Into Infinity at TIIDT Podcast, talkingintoinfinity.com. So there you go. If you like Star Wars, if you like nerdy shit, if you like Dream Theater, jump on and check out the Nerf Herder Council and Talking Into Infinity. Do it. Now get on to Guns N' Roses, man. So, Dan, <laughs> tell me about Guns and Fucking Roses. I don't know who Guns and Fucking Roses are, but I know Guns N' Roses is a uh, hard rock band. They're from Los Angeles, California, as if a band like this could come from anywhere else. Uh, they have been around since 1985 and have put out an embarrassingly short discography in that time period. They are still together as of this very day for now time stamp <laughs> current status of guns and roses and yep we're good yeah you know um yeah it's all good man um some sort of mixture of a band called la guns and uh another band called something else hollywood rose i think it was hollywood rose so a combination of hollywood rose and la guns Featuring members of both of those bands is how you get Guns N' Roses. Except then the LA Guns guy like quit or something very early on, but they still stuck with the name Guns N' Roses for whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, I would have named my band Pig Rectum, but that's just me. Um, you know, Gross. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's, you know, it's rock and roll. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what else you want me to say, Joe? This band uh, is, a, is a hard rock band with heavy metal leanings. Uh, they have a guitarist that's better than the rest of the band that he's in. 
Um, I'll go with that. What else do we... <laughs> Izzy is the man. I, oh, you're talking I, about Slash. Um, I guess you could say Izzy and Slash. I don't think either one of them suck. I mean, I think they're they're good, uh, at least on that first record. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but I, I'm going to disagree with you about Slash being better than the rest of the band. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna since I know you're coming in hot on that, I'm, I'm gonna tell you I do not think that Slash is like rock my world guitarist either. <laughs> but um, I have very very high standards for. I mean I listen to technical death metal, so like I, all these guys are just basically playing with baby's toys at this point. Well, technical death metal is shit compared to what Slash does because every single note that Slash plays is absolutely tasty and perfect, and it's you know most of the time. No, all the time. He takes I've a few s- takes sometimes. Sometimes he s- goes too far, man. I Dude, love Slash. I-, I love what he does. But sometimes he's over there somewhere, and I, I just want him to stop and come back. Have you ever seen him live? One time. Yes, I have. I have seen him live many times. I actually opened for Slash when he was in Velvet Revolver. And, dude, that guy, like, he just always nails it, dude. He always fucking nails it. He just is tasty. He does not miss a note. And, Dan, to your point about Slash being better than the rest of the guys in the band, that is completely discrediting Duff McKagan as a bass player. He is absolutely incredibly underrated because when you listen to the gun stuff, it's not just a bass line. It's almost like a lead guitar line, but it adds to what Izzy and Slash are playing. This is the thing, dude. Like, and we talked off air. Like, you're you're not a fan. I get it. And as as we said earlier, you know, you know, you got to listen to it in the left ear and the right ear and stuff like that, dude. Listen to the bass line as well. Like, you probably have not done so because you're not a fan. So I get that. But as a music fan, listen to like three or four songs on Appetite and actually, like I said, do, do the right ear, left ear thing. But check out the bass lines that Duff McKagan is doing, dude. It is fucking tasty. It's fucking brutal. It. Fits so fucking well. Keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry, technical death metal guy. Everything was super it's precision. Technical death metal, Dan. Well, whatever the hell, dude. I'm a dream theater guy. I know what technical metal is. But see, here's the thing, though. Like you're saying, all this shit is like tasty, and you listen to you listen to fucking dream theater, man. Like you know that this that this stuff is like it's not necessarily like of the same caliber of of stuff like stuff even like dream theater well yeah but it's totally different it's like it's rock and roll right but, but what i'm saying intel- is that i'm not a i'm not a you know there's a reason our website's discussmetal.com and like all that stuff or whatever and the only reason we're talking about guns and roses is their occasional crossover into that uh sort of sort of category but i am by and large not a rock fan or a hard rock fan and the thing is okay is that I only say that not to say that I'm better than people that like hard rock, just to let them know that like anything that I say about this band, if you're a fan of hard rock, you know that I have no credibility in that regard <laughs> because I've, I've stated that I'm not a fan. You know what I mean? It's not like a, right. you suck because you like this. It's more of a, I couldn't tell you if this is good hard rock or not good hard rock. Because I don't okay. have the appreciation for it, I can sit there and tell you what good metal is, you know, until the cows come home. I don't, I don't know about that because you dissed a few Dream Theater records that were great, but um, uh... <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yes, you did. I was so yes, po- you did. I was so positive. I was so saccharine sweet on those episodes. <laughs> saccharine sweet. That's that's a, that's a Def Leppard lyric. Nice. Yeah, I know. See, I, li- I like liked Ryan. I liked Def Leppard. Please. So, dude, <laughs> seriously. 
Like Duff McKagan is like so underrated. And, and I'm telling you, like, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you not as a podcast host, but as a musician, because I know you play and you don't have to like the stuff, but it's like, like I, I'm, I'm incredibly narrow minded, you know, like I, there's not a lot of stuff I like. Same. The bands I like, I love everything else. Like, yeah. So, but I do appreciate the musicianship, you know, their musicianship, the musicianship of things, the bass lines, the guitar stuff. And I'm telling you, dude, like, even though you're not into the gun stuff, when you go listen to Duff McKagan as a bass player, he is absolutely underrated. It's, it's just so incredibly tasty. And I will use the word again, brutal, because it's heavy. He hits heavy stuff under some simple guitar parts, man. It's like, like he's just nailing it on things, dude. And and he's a punk, he's a punk rock guitar player. And, and so, and, and and yet he still plays these incredible bass lines that when you learn them and you play, because I played him on stage, like I had to learn some Duff McKagan stuff. It's 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 complicated. It's direct, and man, it is powerful shit, dude. I mean, Guns N' Roses is very underrated for their musicianship. I mean, the songwriting is awesome, but the musicianship is absolutely underrated. They're one of the most underrated like songwriting bands of all time, I think. You know, and again, I, I said I'm I'm you know I'm I'm narrow-minded, but their songwriting is fucking brilliant dude i agree with the early records that the songwriting is great and you're right duff doesn't get enough credit because it's 1987 and the record was mixed with the bass not forward and as a musician i want to hear everything if the band had been metallica and the bassist had been cliff burton it would have been front and center with all the guitars but because slash is in the band we have to put the bass in the background, which is something producers have finally gotten over, I think. Putting everyone in the mix in a way that you can hear them, not necessarily feel them. Because back in 1987, when Appetite for Destruction came out, it was huge. Everybody bought into it because the band felt big. I think at a time when more synthesized music was popular, Guns N' Roses took everyone back to... Remember when Aerosmith was heavy? And I don't mean heavy, I mean big. And it, it met that need that everybody needed. And I do say the word needed because there's nothing artificial about this first album. But here's Duff yeah. in the background. I can hear him, but remix this album. Bring him forward. They're Give working me more. On it. Of course they Remixing are. Remixing the album, yeah. <laughs> I, see, I, I think he is there, though, because there's there's things that, like I listened to the record today. Like I listened to a bunch of their stuff today in preparation for this episode. And he it, it's actually more forward than I think, you know, you would actually recognize. Like If you're listening for it, it's actually there and you don't know. So, um, you know, I, I think I think he is there. And, and to your point about like, like we needed rock, you know, like the, this is like we needed this, you know, in 1987. I think I think like in the middle of the eighties, like you said, eighty seven, when this came out, like rock was all over the place. But guns like it was you know, the decade of decadence, you know, the eighties, like you have Molly Crew, you had all these crazy like everything was like cocaine and drugs and booze and women and all and yet Guns N' Roses came in right in the middle of that, and they were the baddest of the bad. I'll never forget walking into a record store. In 87, I was 11 years old, 
and I saw like the the album flats all over the wall, and it was like a cross, you know, the the Appetite album cover with uh, their skulls and the hair, and I'm like, what is this? And it's Appetite for Destruction, just. As an 11-year-old kid, when you say to yourself, appetite for destruction, you're like, oh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then, you know, and it looked so bad. And then I got the record, and I'm hearing, like, you know, fuck off. Like, yeah. you know, turn around, bitch. I got a useful of you. You're like, oh, my God, what the hell is this shit? And, like, it was dangerous, and it was dirty. In the middle of a, of, of you know, a decade that was dangerous and dirty, Guns N' Roses completely rewrote the book right in the middle of it it was unbelievable it was so different from stuff that was it was you know they stood out like everyone's like oh i'm motley crew i'm doing drugs oh i'm the scorpions you know i'm i'm doing this and here comes guns and roses like fuck you dude i just shot heroin and i'm slinging on a fucking cigarette and a les paul and go fuck yourself like here we go like check out my sweet i could see how as a little kid that you could interpret that as him being a cool dude You are just going to be a downer the whole episode. As an adult, oh, trust me, (laughs) this shit, the stuff that he says on albums is going to get way worse before it gets any better. (laughs) He's not wrong. Okay. (laughs) True. Uh, All right. Looking at you, next album. Um, (laughs) You guys both know what I'm talking about, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to go on a big tirade about it, but it's going to be mentioned. Um, so yeah, I found I find I found the lyrics utterly repulsive and not in a like a fun sort of way. Don't get me wrong, I listen to death metal, so obviously repulsive lyrics are kind of my bag, you know, <laughs> as far as that stuff goes. <laughs> right. Um it's de- I, I definitely remember when I was listening to it today and actually like really paying attention to what he was saying. I was just like, holy shit, this this I mean <laughs> this definitely did not age well. Uh, in in the sense of, of of where we're at now, if somebody came out with lyrics like that now, they'd never get off the ground. Or maybe they would. No. Maybe it would still work. Maybe the shock value would still work. You know, in this in okay. this day and age. Um, I don't know. Let somebody else try that. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I really like the energy on this record. Like overall, I like the I like the the immediacy of the songs. The kind of just like balls out like. There, there were not like a lot of bands at that time, you know, had these like very grandiose sort of like introductory sort of, uh, you know, sort of like slower, like melodic, like just trying to make everything sound really big, but ultimately making it sound boring. This was just like punk rock enough to just jump into the song and just start going right away. Yeah. And it's just song after song after song after song. I mean, just like really, really kind of assaults the listener with like, everything this band is about and i like axel's vocal delivery on this record especially because he keeps it relatively screamy you know right um <laughs> right which is you know my entire life is defined by turn down that screaming shit you know <laughs> so uh this definitely fits in that category um sure it's funny with the vocals because he reminds me a little bit of like robert plant uh when he's hitting those when he gets real high up there yeah like it's like he's hits. A, I used to always joke. I was like, "Yeah, now he's gonna hit the Robert Plant pedal, you know?" And he just like <laughs> the pedal, slams yep. down on, it and he, yeah, he can get those really awesome, like just dirty high shrieks. That's what they are. I mean, I know it's like considered still considered singing, but it is. Right. It, it, he's just screeching, you know, most of the time. And he does the Halford thing more than once. He does the I'm Halford go really thing. high and yeah. then really low. Yep. And who knows what the fuck's coming next? Um, I don't really have anything bad to say about this record. I mean, I, I tried really hard to find some shit to talk about it, but I really, 
I really couldn't other than the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are a little it's a little stupid, but I mean, if that was well, if that was what all music was judged by, half the music that exists, you know, wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you're into death metal. I mean, like death metal lyrics are like I have guts. I have nuts. This song like, is about shooting blood out of your <laughs> coke. Yeah, <but. laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, and Joe, I'm interested to get your opinion on this because, like, we talked again before we started recording. I really think that Appetite is a top five rock record, like, ever. It's, you know, every song, you know, and Dan, you just said it. Like, it's just the record goes and goes and goes. It does not stop. So when you start out with Welcome to the Jungle and you're like, holy fuck, that's a great song. And then, you know, It's So Easy comes on. And you're like, oh, that kicks ass. And you're like, wow. And then Night Train, you know, and and, and out to get like, you're like, it, at that point, you're like, what the hell? And it's almost like, and Paradise City is a phenomenal rock song. Oh, yeah. But it's like the one song you could probably skip on the record because you're like, it, it, it is that kind of salad. Like, you know, on good records, like right when you're about done with what the band's doing, you need a little break and they put that little ballad in there. And then you get to the rest of the record. Well, the quote-unquote ballad of the record is Paradise City. You're like, okay, that's more straightforward. It's not really and, a and, ballad, yeah. Exactly. And then what comes, you know, first first song on side two, My Michelle, the single most underrated Guns N' Roses song they've ever fucking recorded. And the whole record just goes and goes and goes. Like, you know, and, and Joe, I mean, how do you feel? I really feel like this is a top five rock record, and I don't think... As much as it's like revered and everything, I really don't think it gets discussed enough. Start to finish, one of the best albums for aspiring musicians. If you want to learn how to play guitar, if you want to learn how to play drums, if you want to learn how to sing, if you like music and you want to make music and you're getting everybody together, if you want to cheat sheet on how to write a good song and play together as a band because that's the last lesson everybody learns and most of us learn it the hard way appetite for destruction is exactly what you're looking for yep aerosmith was the best example i had for how to have a start to finish rock record where the band is playing as one it's not just a series of riffs And I'm somebody that started playing guitar because I heard James Hetfield on a Metallica record. So that's my baseline for how to write a song. But you can play as a band and it sound interesting and it cannot fall into the trope of here's the good song, here's the ballad, and the rest of it is crap. How many records, John, have you heard that have one or two good songs. That's the old trope. That's the 90s trope. That's (laughs) the 80s trope. We have the single. We have the ballad. Appetite for Destruction says, yeah, we've got the singles because somebody forced us to pick one, but what's the worst song on this album? And is that song still better than any single that you've heard? Paradise City is the worst song on the album. And it's way fucking better. It's still good. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. My my, my wife's favorite band is Guns N' Roses. We were listening to the Appetite as we're hanging out today. And we were like, man, I'm going to... I told her, I was like, I'm going to have to pick a song that's not good on the record. Like, if you had to cut one, and we, we came down to Think About You... And uh, anything goes, you know. And, uh, yeah, and Dan, anything Dan, goes. Yeah, but 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 when and we're like, all right, like, because Dan, like, to your point, like, Paradise City, I I don't think it's the worst song in the record, but I think it's the one we're most sick of. 
for some reason. Like literally, my wife's well, favorite band's Guns N' Roses. It's yeah. changes in the house. It's of overplayed flies. for whatever reason. Next, all radio station DJs, if those are a thing that still exists now, I assume it's all just computers now. But yes. back in the day, for whatever reason, a DJ would always pick Paradise City over Welcome to the Jungle, and I don't understand why. Yeah, like, dude. Like I, my my stepdaughter used to live in in uh, Dallas, Texas. And, you know, I, I've said it ad nauseum. Guns is my wife's favorite band. So we went down to visit my stepdaughter in Dallas to see her. And and uh, Slash was playing in Uncasville or whatever the hell it was, Oklahoma. So we drove like an hour, took my stepdaughter and her boyfriend. It was at a casino. And my wife and I saw Slash and they were running around gambling and all this other shit. And the show was absolutely killer. Slash is always absolutely killer alive. And they get to the encores, and my wife, like, as big of a Guns fan as she is, she's like, I think Paradise City's going to be the last one. Are you okay if we bolt? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, Let's, she's like, I'm so tired of the song. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and, and we took off. Like, we heard, ding, doo, 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 like, the, you know, the chord. And, and, and she's like, we're out. <laughs> so she grabbed me, runs out, grabs a beer. Like, at least right. finish the set with Mr. Brownstone. Oh, dude. come on. Oh, good dude. old Mr. Brownstone. The reason yep. why this band had so many fucking internal problems. <laughs> True. That is. Dude, it's this whole record, man. Like, it's such a fascinating record to talk about because it's, I mean, to me, I don't think there's any other band you could talk about that is so legendary that only has one record where you go, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I'm having the most trouble wrapping my head around. Is and like it's the first album. how are these guys yeah. like first of all, how is this record so good? If the first record is this good, why aren't the other records even half as good? I think like we'll get into lies, I'm sure. In a it's minute. coming. We'll, I was gonna say we yeah. better because we're talking about Guns N' Roses. That whole album is um, lies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's not even an album. Come on. We're going to talk about it because it's considered a studio album, but they're fucking, they're in trouble with, with us. That's not how our rules usually work. <laughs> I love your definitions, man. Um, Yeah. Like, I mean, Appetite is so incredible. And I, and personally, I'm a huge fan of Lies. Like, I get it that it's, you know, a live, half of it's a live EP that they pumped in crowd noise to. And then it, the other half is, you know, acoustic stuff. Um, I get it. You know, it's it's a very weird record. And it, later we'll get into the Use Your Illusion record. So I, I think those are good, too. But, I mean, the Appetite record is just, I mean, literally, they're, they're on a reunion tour right now that has lasted for now over six years. And it's all because of that one goddamn album. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, 100%. it's crazy. It, it'd be like if Van Halen, like, only ever... They did Van Halen one, and then maybe like three more records, and we're still going. Like Van yeah. Halen one is that good? I mean, but like Van Halen had other stuff that was so good, and and they had this, lo- this longevity to the career, and yet Guns had all this dysfunction, all this goofy shit, and and everything they've done for what like thirty years or whatever is thirty five years, like all because of Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. It's crazy how influential and good that album actually is. And, you know, I don't think there's almost, and you guys would know better than I, like I say, you would know, I'm I'm very close-minded. So you guys would know way better than I would. But I can't think of another band that has a record like that, that has like, you know, had them like, it's helped them exist for almost 40 years. Yeah, I mean, none of the only bands. Only one record. Except. Well, yeah, except. Balls to the balls wall. Balls to the wall, yeah. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, I knew it's you guys would one. know. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. See, I knew you guys would know. Well, we talked about a lot of bands. I mean, you're right, though. That's the only one that I can really think of that that like they're still going off of the success of the first record. You know, the debut for like how many bands put out a debut that's that good. And then their follow-up, like look at a band like Metallica, right? You got Kill 'Em All, which was gr- which was a great debut, and then you go to Ride the Lightning, which it's like a hundred times better, and right. then a hundred times better. And but Guns N' Roses, it's like they put out their magnum opus first. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's just, mm-hmm. and I think they were always trying to find it too, because like as we go as we go on in the discography, like you can tell that they are trying to work to some bigger thing. But then they run into the problem that every fucking band runs into, and that's getting dudes to show up, having personal conflicts with dudes. Half your dudes are strung out on drugs, and you can't get a hold of them. You got one guy in there that thinks that he is the band. It's you probably I mean? the lead singer. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I didn't say that it was the lead singer, but in this case, I did. that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. Uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> nice. it, it's kind of just, you know, it, it's very odd. It is not the type of it is not the type of if, if bands had character arcs, it is not the type of character arc that you're used to seeing. Yeah, for sure. Nineteen eighty eight. GNR lies. And lies is what this album is. It was them playing live in a studio, I think. And Oh no, 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 buddy. They weren't playing no. I mean they may have been tracking live, but like this was a studio recording. Well, it sucks that then. they just I can't straight stand up, it. They just well this was <laughs> but these songs these songs were actually recorded on an E P that they put out. They recorded this EP prior to recording uh, Appetite for Destruction. Yes. Live Like a Suicide. Yes. Live Like a Suicide was the EP. And then they just threw some fucking like bargain bin acoustic tracks uh, on at the end of it. Um, they're not. We need some filler, guys. Uh, okay. uh, uh, JT, give me a give me a D chord. Let's that go. Wasn't Let's fair. go. Let's no, go. <laughs> that wasn't fair. They're not necessarily bargain bin, but it's, it's just... Not after you listen to Appetite for Destruction, are you in the mood to listen to some fucking acoustic songs? It's but that's fine why the- as long as the next album is going to do Appetite for Destruction again. See, but I I think I think it was a very Guns N' Roses. It, 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 God, see, this is it's such a weird career for them, dude. This is such a weird band to talk about. Like I was about to say that that's such a Guns N' Roses e thing to do, and yet you get that perspective from having you know you got 20 years space 25 years space off of it whatever you know but i mean back then like it was yeah you guys are completely right like what the hell is this acoustic crap you know especially like you know side one lies is like all this like live loud like aggressive just heavy it at least sounds like guns and roses you know yeah and then it opens up with patience on the other side and you're like well that's interesting like something and and, and then you know, you get into the other the other three songs, and I, which I think are fantastic, but I absolutely love Lies. I think Lies is so unbelievably cool because of how different it is. But, you know, hindsight gives a much better perspective of the record. And you guys are right. You're like, what the fuck is this? Like, in the moment, when you're looking for the follow-up to Appetite, you're like, what the hell is this? And yet, looking back, you're like, that's so Guns N' Roses. So yeah, I mean it's kind of like a time loop though. Like, would it be so Guns and Roses, you know, if they yeah. had never done it? You know what I mean? Like, it's like the fact that they did it makes it a Guns and Roses move. And if they did it again, you'd say that's so Guns and Roses. It, it just, you know what <laughs> I right. mean? It, it's it's John Connor and the Terminator. You know, like just just <laughs> right. over and over again. Um, yep. 
but uh john come with me if you want to rock this record <laughs> nice. yeah i mean this record like according to discography discussions rules you know is technically not an album you know because we define an album as original is is a presentation of original material and is at least longer in in length or track or, or song amount you know we don't necessarily have a length rule on how you know how long an album has to be um but this is clearly just like here's an ep that we put out it's not even a real live show and i can't and i can't get over that i can't get over the pumping <laughs> crowd noise like who wants that anyway like everybody that likes the first kiss live album okay well um <laughs> this nice. song this album contains <laughs> i mean a song that like uh why did they put one in the million on the album well they just did like a greatest hits or something or a box set recently uh-huh and 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 left it off they basically said no oh, forget that like which which is which is such a pussy move it's like if you're gonna be Guns N' Roses, keep that damn song right there and go. No, honestly, I own up to it. I think they should. If they if they're the ones that decided to take it out, I support that. I don't support censorship in the sense of somebody else comes in and tells you you got to take something out, you know, and then you just do it because the man's gonna. But like, I mean, you look at look at how old these guys are now, and look at how old they were when they recorded this. Obviously, they are not the same people that they were, <laughs> you know. I wish I could go back. I wish I could go back and take back some of the shit that I said when I was younger. Right. You know, there's stuff that I can wish I can go back and say on this show, like unsay, unsay certain things. So like, <laughs> I, I think if that was their, if that was their decision, I respect that. Um, but I mean, there, it is one of those things where like, there are certain lines that even, even back then I would have not been okay with, you know, um, go read the lyrics to those songs. If you guys want to know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to go into it and just make up your own mind about it. But it definitely bothered me and stuck out like a sore thumb, especially this past couple of weeks. I was like, holy shit, did he just say what I thought he said? Yes. You know? <laughs> yes, he yeah. did. Yeah, so I was definitely not like, you know, I'm not here to make some kind of grand statement about it, but you can go lo lo listen to it and judge for yourself. And um, Axel has provided his own explanation for that, you know, which... You know, is basically what I is basically what I said. Like, yeah, I was a different person when I was younger than I than I am now. You know, <laughs> right. so I get that. Um, whatever. Anyway, but yeah, I just didn't. I just did not enjoy the 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 sequencing on this at all either. Like, it almost would have been better if they would have done like, really? yeah, like I feel like I feel like it would have been better if they would have done like two heavy songs, an acoustic song, two heavy songs, acoustic songs, just something to like. It just it it, uh, it it annoys me a little bit. I don't know that you could look at this two different ways. If you're listening to it on an actual record, sure, there's no shame in just listening to side one and that's all you listen to, right? Yeah. Or if you like side two more, you know, um, or if that night you're feeling introspective and you want to turn it over and listen to side two, I yep. get that. But like, I just feel like it as a consumer, I would feel ripped off if I bought this album. Uh, especially if it was a new release from a band that had just put out basically what I would consider to be the greatest album I'd heard like ever. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, yeah. and then, this and then, sounds and like then, a bullshit you know, segue to we're still working on it. Yes, it sounds more like <laughs> it sounds more to me like, oh, dude, the label just called. And they said they're fucking gonna pull all of our funding if we don't fucking sit down and make a record. All right, <laughs> right. well, let's grab this EP that we recorded and. Um, uh, what are we doing tomorrow night? What we yeah, dude? I think we I think we can shit out like four acoustic songs. Like <laughs> shit out. Yeah, like 
Like, let's just sit down and let's just sit, sit down and fucking let's do this, you know? Like, right. You know, it only requires a couple of us to be there. It's, you know, we don't need drums or anything. It's just the fucking, let's just do some acoustic songs. And then we were like, look, look, dude, here, here you go. We got, we got all those songs. It's a, it's a full length record, you know, eight songs. Let's it's go. Not. Though. Yeah, it's not. It's really not. Like thirty, See, yeah, like thirty minutes long. It's 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 two it's two fucking EPs jammed together. It's like two. It's like it's like not an adult. It's it's two children in trench coat and you know standing on each other's shoulders in a trench coat. Like, come on. That's a fantastic analogy. See, and, and I got to tell you, Dan. Like, I actually like the differentiation between the two sides. I love one side is like, regardless, you know, it's fake, whatever. The first side fucking rocks you're like yeah you know and then the second half just like i love that like the two halves are so different you know and again like you know my second favorite band is dream theater so maybe i'm into that kind of like goofy kind of thing you know like but i i, I love how it's it, you know i love that they didn't do like okay so here's move to the city you know like and now here's patience like you're like no man just they kick ass and then they get down into it and stuff like that and I mean, it's awesome. You know, it's awesome. And I, I think, I think a song like like uh, um, "You're Crazy" would get lost in that in that uh, kind of sequencing because "You're Crazy" really stands out. Like, because "You're Crazy" is is the, you know, that's the original version of it. That on lies, that's the way they wrote it. But on Appetite, they punked it like, you know, they speed it up and everything like the cocaine version. And I, I think, <laughs> I, I think, I think you, I think it would get lost. Whereas on the second side of lies, you're like, wait a minute, what the heck is this? Like, it's really in there. Like, it kind, it stands out. So I really love the sequencing. So I, I, I thought it was really cool, man. I thought it was really cool. I think what you have with this is this is obviously rushed. Yes, but it's a happy accident and a testament to them as musicians that it still turned out to be good. Yes, they were still kind of in that. They were still kind of in that period of time where they could do no wrong. Yep, you know, uh, that's going to change for me very, very soon. <laughs> but we'll get into it. Which would you like? Nineteen ninety-one. Use your illusion. One or two, John? Oh, this is the easiest, easiest decision. Use your illusion two by far why does that one work the first one starts off with the right kind of attitude for a guns and roses record but it just does not work for me and i'm put off anytime a band puts out two albums and tries to sell it to me as one thing or two separate things i had the same reaction to system of a down here's mesmerize here's hypnotize and I put them side by side and said, you guys have one album worth of material. It just happens to be that your songs are two minutes long. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that that's I think that's a bad comparison because System of a Down is absolute fucking garbage, trash, horrific, garbage, shitty, just crap. Um, so you can cut that out later, I'm sure. But, you know, fuck that band. They suck. Um but guns, like I completely agree with you. Like, use your illusion. One starts out, you're like, yeah, it's a guns record, and then the rest are like, like it's really weird. Like the use your illusion records, like they came out when I was in high school, and when they came out, everybody was like, oh, use your illusion. One is so much better. And when I when I had the records, I was like, dude, use your illusion two is way better. And everyone just destroyed me for it. But I'm like, dude, like 
Like I, I still like, and I re-listened to Use Your Illusion one this week a bunch, and I still don't remember much of it. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like the B sides from Use Your Illusion too. And I've felt that way ever since 1991 when I was 15 years old. And I was like, what What are people getting out of Use Your Illusion 1? Like, I mean, November Rain is beautiful. It's one of the best songs, you know, they ever did. One of the best songs ever, pretty much. And yet it was something they had before, the Appetite for Destruction stuff. Like, if, if you read Slash's biography and go through all the, the history of Guns N' Roses, they had... November Rain around forever and it finally ended up on Use Your Illusion 1 so that's awesome the Beatles cover you know Live and Let Die but the rest you're like okay so you've got Don't Cry like okay there's another version of Don't Cry name me another song on Use Your Illusion 1 that's oh yeah and yet when you go name me a song on Use Your Illusion 2 you can go Civil War uh, uh, Used to Be Mine or whatever the, the Terminator 2 song You've got another version of Don't Cry. You got Yesterday's 14 Years, like all these different things that absolutely rock. And it's what was the purpose of doing two records, man? Joe, to your point, you were like, I don't like when they do two records. It is one record with a shitload of filler, and all the filler is on Use Your Illusion 1. I think this more had to do with the fact that I think that they probably were writing this album because I'm just going to call it this album. It's one album. Like, I don't give a fuck about part one and part two. Right, um, yeah. I think they were writing this album probably even as far back as Lies, and uh, or they had sort of the beginnings of it. But what this seems like to me more is kind of an ego thing. They, they, they are not a careered enough band yet at this point to be putting out double albums. They're just not. They've got two albums under their belt. One of them's not even a real album. But the other one's really, 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 really good. So they get a little leeway there. I think that this is more of an ego thing of not of because most bands will write somewhere close to 20 to 30 songs for each record. And then they go in and they trim the fat and they they pick out the songs that are the best and probably the songs that they personally feel like they can play live for the next however many years. And for these guys, it's going to be a lot of years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. So... I think that this was literally just not being able to trim the fat, being being too in love with every single idea that they had, and just not compromising on it. That's what I hear. Too many ideas. I don't hear. I don't hear a giant master stroke because if I did hear a master stroke, all of it would be good, and I'd be crying by the end of it. Uh, what's actually happening is all the stuff that they should have used is on part two, and yes. all the stuff that they should have cut out was part one. Yes. And and so I think that that's, you know, that's where it's at. If you are a new Guns N' Roses listener, just literally just skip part one and just listen to part two. You're going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it as much as you enjoyed uh, Appetite for Destruction. But I mean, you're, you never are going to enjoy like th- this band is I'm going to spoil it for you right now. This band is never going to make you feel that way again. <laughs> that's that's over. That's gone. Yep. Unless you it's- go and see them live and they play those songs. But that's the only time. Yep, totally, totally, totally agree. And again, like like I had said, like everyone when the records came out, like it was all about you know use your illusion one, and I never got it. You know, I mean, Dan, you phrased it perfectly. Like all the good stuff is on use your illusion two, and cut the fat. That's use your illusion one. Yep. Like it's and it, it, it what's awesome is as it's aged, as both records I should say have aged. Finally, people are coming around to that. That use your illusion one was like. You know, and use your illusion too is like that's the good shit. You know, yeah. There's some guy out there somewhere 
and I'm sure he's going to email me right after this. That's usually how that works. Um, and be all like, you have to listen to all of it because you're not a real fan if you don't listen to all of it. Well, first of all, bud, I'm not a real fan. Um, so, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, there, there's somebody out there that's going to hit you back with a, it's actually genius because it's like tool fans, right? Like, well, if you look at the Fibonacci sequence, you know what I mean? Like, or, or yeah. if you put it in this exact order, or whatever, it's right. like, no, I shouldn't have to remake my meal in order to enjoy it. <laughs> it's not my analogy. fault. It's not my fault that dessert was better than the main course. <laughs> what a great analogy, dude. And if you ever wanted proof that these records are good in that they have good songs, look at the old greatest hits. It's the singles yep. from Appetite. Yeah. It's all the best stuff. And the second yeah. two-thirds from Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Yeah, yeah it's hand-curated. So here yep. we are. We have two flexing albums because Guns N' Roses put out two albums this year, not one. We're already almost done with this episode. Like, that's how <laughs> ridiculous this is, you know? Right. Like, I, oh. I would like to bring up one thing because it's always fascinating to me since we're on this topic, like, of, you know, Use Your Illusion 2 versus 1 and all this kind of stuff. Like, I really want to bring up Steven Adler because we talked about Duff McKagan, but the only song, and I get it, like, you know, it's chopped together from pieces, but the only song that Steven Adler played on on both of the Illusion records was Civil War. Dude, Steven Adler is such an underrated rock drummer, and he's got that feel. And if you, like, in a vacuum, if you say one drummer played on one song of these two records, here it is, now listen to the rest you would hear a difference like Steven Adler, his feel and just he, you know, the way that he hits things and the, it just, it's such a different vibe. Whereas Matt Sorum, great drummer, but he's straightforward. You know, I mean, Matt, Sor like, you know, all you need to know is Mike Portnoy you know, tweeted out something bashing, you know, uh, uh, Sorum talking about he, Mike Portnoy is like, well, I, I just listened to November rain. He did the same fill 23 times, like, and he did. And Sorum blasted back. It's called feel, dude. Like, no, Matt Sorum, it's not called feel. It's called you did the same cheesy fucking crap the same fucking time 23 times. You just hope you nobody know? would ever count it. Yeah. Yeah. But Portnoy did, and he blasted him. Yet Steven Adler, just even as, as heroined out as he was, and I get it. They had to, you know, paste takes together to get that Civil War drum part, it sounds way better than any other drum part on all those two records combined. It, it, it's always fascinating to me because, you know, I went back and listened to the stuff and, you know, to prepare for this, this episode and that Steven Adler drum sound, that style just stands out, man. I mean, you got to love that they, you know, we had to paste, uh, we had to paste takes together and he was on drugs and that's why we had to fire him and all that. You know, <laughs> right. um, this is the same guy. Axl Rose will turn around and be like, yeah, we're doing all the vocals one line at a time. Yep. Like, fuck you, yep. dude. Is yep. that how you're going to do it live? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get right. up there. You're going to sing your first line. Everybody's going to stop. You know, the audience is going to stop. The band's going to stop. Like, fuck yep. off, man. Like, I don't know. They, I, I, I feel like, um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like Adler got done dirty because he got cleaned up. Well, and again, I, I wasn't there. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it, they basically made it. They basically were like, you're on drugs. You're fucking everything up. You're making it too hard for us to do this. And I realize that's a problem that has to be addressed. However, uh, they turn around and like basically he gets clean 
and they make him sign a contract saying that like he's gonna stay clean or whatever and, and all this stuff but like that's not actually the contract that he signed the contract that he signed that he thought was the whole get you clean contract was a no um we're gonna give you like you know we're basically firing you you're you're signing yep. your you're firing signing your firing paperwork yep and you're not going to continue with the band. And also, fuck you. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs> right? And it's, it's like the world's most dangerous band. Known for drugs and alcohol, all this crazy but shit. But an like, intense HR yeah. process. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like, all right, well, we're known for drugs and booze and, and women and all this stuff. But uh, you're fired because you're into drugs and booze. Like, F off. Yeah. 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 You can't, like, and yeah. I just can't even. I can't even. Yeah, I'm can't evening yeah. right now. Like it, right. it just blows my mind that that. Oh, we're we're such badasses, but now that there's money involved, now we're going to be all a bunch of fucking stiff necked, you know, bastards about <laughs> right. it. So I, I have I have to correct myself by the way from earlier. I called the song "Used to Be Mine." What an idiot! You could be mine. What a Nimrod. So anyway, I, I could I, be I, if I'm you try cr- hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. So Joe, what do we got? I don't want to have it because who's hungry? 1993, we got the spaghetti incident. Shit, we've all had a spaghetti incident. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of Parmesan cheese involved. I don't even wear white shirts, but the day I did, oof. Parmesan, Parmesan is actually the pr- correct pronunciation. And yet, this album is nothing but covers. Is that what you wanted in 1993, John Drake? It sucked. I listened to like two it's songs. So I was like, fuck this. I like yeah. cover records when they're good. This is not good. The guitar no. tone's actually all right. The guitar tone actually is really good, actually, yeah. Dan. <laughs> I completely agree with yeah. you. Um, but, I'm trying to find anything positive to say about a record right. that I found <laughs> utterly like. like it, it's right. one of those things that if somebody was holding this CD up in front of me and they're like, I'm going to break it, I'm going to break it, give me three reasons not to, I'm going to be like, just fucking break it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can I can describe this record very easily. My wife, we were drinking one night, and we started talking about music, and she loves all kinds of different stuff. And I won't go back into her favorite band because I've you know done as nauseous. Is, it, is, it, is the answer Guns N' Roses? It might be. Well, wait a second. It, it's Guns N' Roses, Roses, right? Okay, cool. It might be. It might be. Make um, sure everybody that's listening is writing all this down, okay? I asked her. You know, we're both drunk off our asses. I said, I have to ask you because... I said, I said, what do you think of a spaghetti incident? Three simple words. Fuck that record. <laughs> she hates it. Does she know what a favorite band is supposed to be? <laughs> dude, Guns is her favorite band. And, okay. And dude, I'm, I mean, dude, I get it. That first record was fire, but like, I mean... <laughs> oh, yeah, I she, wouldn't... She, if she was on... She will defend some songs on Use Your Illusion 1 that all of us would crap on. She definitely agrees on Use Your Illusion 2. But again, Spaghetti Incident, she's like, fuck that record. <laughs> like, well, it's not even it's, a real record. And it, it's, 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 a, it's a trend now with this band that like, you guys need to put it on a new record. What do you guys got? Oh, sh- we got Jack and shit. <laughs> well, we need to put something out. You guys are a recording artist under contract. If you remember... You guys need to put out something, you know? All right. Hey, guys, what are your guys' favorite songs? I don't know. It's like put them all together and then record worse versions of them. Right. <laughs> like, well, come on. 
And I mean, in Slash's biography, he said they were, they were barely a band. Like he he basically was already out the door. Yeah, yeah, I he mean, was done at that point. It was yeah, mentally, yeah. It was just you know, Axel. I mean, even even during the the you know the Use Your Illusion sessions, he he was pretty much like eh, whatever. You know, they lived in Chicago for several months writing the songs. Like Steven Adler had drugs in the freezer. Of course he know, did. And, and 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 Axel was like, we have to do this in Chicago. We'll do it in Chicago. And, you know, so the band's like, okay, we're going to Chicago. So they're there writing songs. Axel doesn't show up. Finally shows up like 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. And yells at somebody out the window or some shit like that. Like, you know, and, and then they fucking leave and whatever. So they basically weren't a band. And, and, and Slash is like, yeah, you know, this is not what I'm into. And and then you get to Spaghetti and say, he was already out the door. It was the band was already basically done. And it sounds like it. It looks like it. And even the the songs they chose to cover, it's not even like like okay, pick a cool song. It's not like a bunch of guy. classics. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, and I get it. Like, okay, I'm, a, you know, guys could be like, oh, I'm a fan of this one song. Like, let's let's put our spin on it. They're not even good songs to put a spin on. It's like the whole the whole thing in conception, execution, everything is crap. It's terrible to the point where people don't. I mean. I mean, I, can we all be honest and say no one remembers that goddamn record? They think about Appetite, Lies, Use Your Illusion, Chinese Democracy, which we'll get to because it's a fucking joke. And then... <laughs> you mean like, the meme album? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all garbage. Like It's so bad that people don't even remember it. Guns N' Roses fans don't even, you know, you say Spaghetti Incident, they're like, oh, yeah, that one. Oh, shit shit oh yeah man forgot about that one like you know it's 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 not ever in their minds it and reminds me of slayer's uh undisputed attitude putrid yeah it's like very much like i don't give a fuck about this at all you know uh, <laughs> right so yeah I, I don't joe and i debated on whether we were even going to talk about this record because it was like and honestly there's not a whole lot to talk about it's literally just a whole bunch of cover songs that don't sound anything like Guns N' Roses, but it's Guns N' Roses playing it, so I guess yep. kind of sounds like them, but like, this is so, like, imagine how how ripped off you feel as a fan at this point. Yeah. You've gotten basically nothing since Appetite for Destruction. Okay, that's not entirely fair. You, you did <laughs> you, you, you did still get, um, you know, your, your double album that was really only one good album. Use Your Illusion is just a really good name for an album like that. <laughs> Because yes, the illusion is, is only one of these albums is a real album. Uh, <laughs> nice. But I think that, like, overall, this band hasn't really, I mean, they, even even if you liked uh, even if you liked that album, it's still, you didn't like it as much as you liked Appetite for Destruction, and everything else has just been dumb shit that they've thrown together. Yes, completely agree. And that's just, that's the way it's going to be. I mean, you Use Your Illusion Part 2 is pretty much the last, like, thing that you got from Guns N' Roses. That is Guns N' Roses. Yep. I mean, Get in the Ring, the song, is the last Guns N' Roses-E moment that we will get ever. Yeah, I mean, after this, I mean, obviously the band had already fallen apart. Um, yep. You've got a lead singer trying to, you know, I guess at some point he had supposedly tricked the other band members into signing the name of the band over directly yep. to him. And um, then they said, oh, no, we did it under duress because he he refused to perform one night um, until we signed over the band name to him. And, you yep. know, we all wanted to get paid. So we, you know, we did it. 
and and yada 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 and i'm like yeah that's whenever you just like if you're a guitar player you just step up into the microphone and just start fucking singing the songs yourself like <laughs> you know what i mean like who cares right. if nobody if nobody likes it they already paid you're still gonna get paid that night right. um that's that's how we handle things over here well, hold on a second dan in order to do this album justice we have to spend the next five years talking about it and then release our opinion 15 years from today <laughs> there you go well okay so anyway they're they, they have it all kinds of problems and axel rose was so fucking petty that like he was having sh- he was playing shows with a new lineup of guns and roses you know all throughout the 90s having some activity here and there but like if somebody was wearing a slash shirt he'd have security remove him from the show Yep. You know, if he, it was just so much like anything about Slash, you know, all these, all these dudes did was talk shit about each other in, in media. You know, I'm sure the reporters loved it. I mean, they're, they were the nineties versions of podcasters. If you guys don't know what music journalists used to be, um, you know, they, they would eat it up, you know, they'd run with that headline immediately. If, you know, you know, you know, Slash blasts Axl Rose, Axl Rose blasts Slash in revealing interview and, you know. It's just shit like that went on forever and ever and ever. Um, I mean, and you know, you know, things are weird whenever, like, at some point, your new guitarist is fucking Buckethead. You know, like, you're just <laughs> right. like, uh, I mean, good, good, good musician, but like, it's still just like, what the fuck? Like, what, what yeah. is going on right now? Who is that right. guitar playing, sons of bitch? Yeah, and of course, that dude's like basically. A, I mean, it's a Buckethead, basically just like a homeless dude. So like they, he part of <laughs> right. part of the reason he got like kicked out of the band was because nobody could get a hold of him. It was like before <laughs> this, is like before texting and start smartphones and stuff, and uh, he probably didn't have internet access. Like there's just no way to get a hold of this guy. Like, hey, we got a gig coming up. Where? Yeah, our guitar. Put nobody knows where he's walking around with a bucket on his head somewhere. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, just absolute craziness. But the entire time. Uh, Axl Rose is like, we've got this new record coming out. You know, we've been working on it for a long time. I'm taking a lot of modern influences like electronics and industrial elements and and all this stuff. And it's going to be the newest, biggest, greatest. And like, if you were a fan at that time and you're reading this interview, I don't think anybody ever asked for industrial elements in a Guns N' Roses album or alternative rock elements you know um i mean at least bands like uh at least bands i love that i'm using this as an example again at least bands like motley Crue in the 90s just kind of even though they went like very 90s in their sound they didn't hype people up about it for fucking years (laughs) leading up to it you (laughs) know and they eased everybody into it because they had uh dr feelgood first you know to kind of like all right and then after you know it'll be all good now you know yep um, but this is like Axel basically being all like, I mean, if you look at the, what he was saying in a different light, he's basically saying, I, all my entire band has quit. I'm the only person that's left and I cannot wait to do whatever is popular now to stay relevant. Right. And that's not directly what he said, but if you add up all of his words, that's, that's what comes out at the end of the equation. Well, and look at the record. I mean, that's exactly, oh, that's the, the statement right there, man. Like, yeah. I mean, it's. It's like you know we we've talked about the fact that they're let's be honest let's really put it down to what it is Guns N' Roses is a band based off of one record yep the record's so goddamn good that they could do all this shit they're doing but Axel Axel like we've all bought into it and yet Axel himself bought into it with Chinese democracy well I can take as many years as I want well I can write all kinds of goofy tunes that I want I can do this because everyone's just going to love it, you know? Like, no, dude, like, 
At some point, you're going to run into the brick wall. And Chinese democracy is the brick wall, you know? It's the Duke Nukem forever of rock records. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Exactly. It's been laying around on tape, effectively finished. Yep. I want to hear one piece of this album. I want somebody to tell me this was recorded between 2000 and 2008. If you had told me... If you had told me that this record came out in 2000, if you told me this record came out in 1996, I'd have been like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess they're going through a weird period there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I probably wouldn't right. hate it as much if, if it had actually come out that year. I'd be like, oh, yep, it's just right. another band that came from the 80s doing a weird 90s thing, trying to find their footing, you know? But, you know, unfortunately, all the other bands that we've talked about on this show that did exactly that all came back in a big way. You know, towards yeah. towards the end, <laughs> right. where, where they, they suddenly woke up and they're like, wait a minute, this is the band that we are. And then they just go back to doing that. Yeah, um, right. Guns N' Roses does not have that because they just don't like this record has been it's just been sitting there on tape forever and ever and ever. And this is, again, a band that's really bad about actually having ideas and actually having material. Any band worth their salt, if they were sitting on a record that long, would have just killed it. And just been like, yeah, dude, I know it's funny. Ha ha. People are going to laugh at us because we never finished Chinese democracy. But we recorded this new album and we called it Guns N' Roses self-titled. And we wrote it all brand new. We sat down with everybody and we wrote it over a seven-month period and jammed it together. And we had a great time. Um, Unfortunately, this is just, um, you know, I really apologize for using this as an analogy uh, with present company. But uh, they kind of George Lucas did. They sat there with something that they already had done, and they kept changing it and changing it and changing it and changing it, and never being happy with it. Now, hey, I'm fuck not you, Dan. No, fuck you, Dan. No, no, fuck you with the George Lucas. You're gonna tell Come me with- that Return of the Jedi is better with a music number in it, John? I'm not. Okay, the, no, I'm not. I'm not getting into this. This is what I mean. Why'd you gotta go okay. there, dude? Because You've it's got the best so many example. other examples. You've been awesome at an. Anal- you know what, Joe? Go fuck yourself too. You, you had so <laughs> many amazing analogies tonight, and you gotta go to that one. Here we go with the damn it. Okay. Damn it. Okay. Here's the thing. You start I screaming. You. you know. You. Start I hate sc- you. I hate you and love you at the same time. So continue your point. You start screaming and you stop listening. Um, <laughs> it's, a char- it's a character flaw. It's fine. I have lots of those too. It's called, um, it's called being married, my friend. I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, what I mean is, okay. First of all, I never made any comment. I, I'm not saying that the star, the changes George Lucas made, made Star Wars into Chinese democracy. Okay, the biggest difference is, is that I just mean that the example is that you just have one guy that's making all of the decisions on something that was made by multiple people. That is an excellent. See, you're back to the good analogies. There you go. Well, that, but I mean, George Lucas was the only name that popped into my head for that. Okay, Um, because he didn't direct the he didn't direct all the original trilogy movies. Other people, I mean, he did the first one, uh, A New Hope, but he didn't he didn't direct the other ones. He, but I mean, he was obviously still the guy in charge. Anyway, not 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 true. But uh, continue your point. He didn't direct. uh, I mean, he did direct, but he had other directors involved. Er Irvin Kirshner was the director of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. George Lucas hands off. Marquant, Richard Marquant was the director of Return of the Jedi, but it was going shitty. And so George Lucas had to step in and he did direct that one. And okay. that's a little known Star Wars fact. So get back to your point, damn it, Dan. And stop fucking with George Lucas. Okay. Let me use a different analogy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's a band that we talked about uh, on this show a while back called Savior Machine. 
and they had recorded uh they were they were like a gothic like a gothic rock gothic metal band the dude sounded a lot like david bowie they were a cool band right okay. um they released this uh, they were they had this album that they, they had announced that they were going to release this giant trilogy and it was like called the legend trilogy and so you had you had uh savior machine legend savior machine legend 2 and then the third album in the legend series was going to be a trilogy all on its own so you'd have legend part three part one legend part three part two legend part three part three right okay and he got he got all the way up to legend part three part two and then whenever he was finally going to get the third part of the trilogy out um he sat there forever trying to make it better 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 trying to throw as much shit in there as he possibly could until the record label finally just grabbed what the last demos that he sent them and they put that out as because they were so sick of waiting (laughs) on it um and it was exactly the same thing with uh with with chinese democracy it was like we're just waiting for this guy to get his shit together but he's gonna just gonna keep messing with and using and trying to perfect and change and because that's one of the things that's knowing about this album because it's very very inconsistent it has a very huge identity crisis as to what era it's in as to what you know um it's like bill and ted's excellent adventure they just went to different time periods and grabbed a dude grabbed a dude grabbed the dude grabbed the dude and then they all showed up and everybody's confused with all these different elements from different time periods <laughs> right. and chinese democracy is just like it's a really good record like sort of record of of axel rose's like ups and downs between the last time this was a real band and now yep but it's See, just not enjoyable to listen to <laughs> Well, I mean, your analogies again are completely spot on. Like the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like grabbing someone from this era, this era, this era. Like that's a perfect representation of it. And what he did not do was do a Guns N' Roses record. Like as absolutely legendary as Appetite is, what it is is five dudes drunk, high, fucking chicks, and just getting in a room. You know, they make like you know make. If, if they have a job, they're at minimum wage, like five bucks an hour, whatever the hell, stealing food, whatever, on the Sunset Strip. And it's just five guys kicking ass. And Axl Rose got up his own ass with the Illusion Records. Like, oh, I want to do piano. Now I want to add this. Now I want, you know, my buddy Dizzy Reed. I want all this. Now and I own he, the band. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he's like, well, now I own Guns N' Roses. So I'm going to do what I want Guns N' Roses to be. It's like, well, what you did is completely destroy what Guns N' Roses is. Because what people think about Guns N' Roses, they think about dangerous, nasty, just guitar rock. Like, you know, Slash falling down drunk. You know, Izzy just you know, high off his ass like Steven Adler going goofy. Like, And Chinese Democracy is the opposite of a Guns N' Roses record. It's the opposite of Appetite for Destruction. And I, it failed because, first of all, the songs aren't good. So, I mean... That's pretty important element. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But the second part of it was anybody that, even a Guns N' Roses, like the most diehard Guns N' Roses fan went into it and went, this this ain't Guns N' Roses. This is a joke, right? Yeah. I mean, one one song works better. Better is the one song that works because they throw it in their live set and it's like, you listen to it like, okay, like the show flows. It's not like one of those, you know, you know how there's bands you see and there's one song that's like a turd, like, oh, I'm gonna go take a piss. Like, better is not that song. Better, you're like, you're like, what is this? Oh, that's off Chinese democracy. Oh man, this is cool. This is rocking. I'll you know, I'll stick around, you know. I'll take a piss at another time, you know, whatever. Right. 
But I mean, it's not a guns record, man. Like Axel thought he he got so up his own ass. Like that he thought he knew exactly, you know, what Guns N' Roses was, you know, like and Dan, like he phrased it amazingly. He runs the band. I know what's best for the, all that kind of stuff. And he wrote a fucking shit record that has nothing to do with Guns N' Roses, man. Yep. It has nothing to do with them. You know, it's like it, it has nothing to do with Guns N' Roses. It, it's not even. It's not even a good record on its own. As I said, it's not even. No, even if it was weak. just Axl Rose, the si- solo record ever. Really, yeah, that's why you shouldn't make solo records, bud. You know, yeah, like, yeah. it sucks. But it sucks even more because it has a Guns N' Roses name on it. It's uh, disjointed. Can you turn it off? I don't really want to keep listening to <laughs> it. It goes all over the place. <laughs> it's 14 tracks that sound like it took 14 years for somebody to take away the choice. Well, I, it's been 14 years of silence. It's been 14 years of pain. It's one song per year if you average it out. So you're telling me that's the best one guy who's supposed to be one of the best lead singers, best performers ever in hard rock. Can't get five people together to write some fucking rock songs. No, because he couldn't do that earlier in his career. Even when he had the that had the full lineup, they still couldn't pull it off. I mean, they did once amazing lightning in a bottle, you know, and nothing else ever even came close. Yep. Yep. This is even with the classic lineup and he didn't write all this stuff himself either. He kept hiring people left and right to fulfill show obligations and all this, all this stuff. And he still couldn't, he still couldn't get it together. He had, he, you know, that record has the liner notes have probably got to be 27 pages long because <laughs> of the amount honest. of, yeah, the amount of people that, <laughs> yeah, the amount of people that he, that contributed, you know, uh, the amount of people that gave, gave advice, you know, probably multiple producers, multiple, um, you know, like, I wonder how much the original advance was for for Chinese democracy because I think they was like on Electra Electra back then and yeah I mean the record label was pretty much like defunct right by by 2000 I don't remember when Electra went out of business yeah um but it you know it's been a <laughs> it's been a minute man it has been a minute yep um, I mean the, can't the thing get past that's it. the thing that's fascinating like well not Electra like, it was Geffen I'm sorry I was thinking Metallica too so I, I was rolling with you. I even asked David Geffen personally if he'd buy it for me, but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> so, do, w- when you listen to the Slash records, like imagine if Chinese Democracy never happened and the Guns N' Roses comeback record was Apocalyptic Love. I mean, wouldn't that I believe be, that? Yeah, it, even right? Velvet Revolver. I believe that. Yes, yes, yes. I completely agree with that too. And I'm not a Scott Weiland fan. The guy was one of the biggest pricks in music history you know like whatever but anything besides chinese democracy like the stuff that the guys did outside of guns and roses was so much better you know like i mean and yet we get chinese democracy and now unfortunately we have two songs Ugh. Ugh. yeah and that's with the classic lineup no it's it's b this is the worst it's b-sides oh fuck yeah you're democracy. right you're right yeah, I remember Slash even said something uh, about like, yeah, we're working on a new record, and a lot of it is stuff that is from for written from before Chinese Democracy. This band can't fucking sit down and write a record; they just can't. Yeah, yeah. Like what they need, what they need to do is 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 go Slash, write us some fucking riffs. Let's do this. And yeah. yet Axel still has his finger. Uh, like, do you guys have any hope for the new Guns record? Like, because there's going to be a new Guns record. I think we can all agree on that. 
do you have any hope for it? Because I don't. I, I'm expecting the biggest fucking pile of shit. Not as bad as Chinese democracy, but like like when, when you're expecting a band to come back, like, and, and I'm sorry, like Van Halen is my favorite band, but I think it'd be really hard to dispute that a different kind of truth was a fucking kick-ass comeback record, man. Eddie Van Halen's firing on all it's it's just it's just Eddie Van Halen putting on a guitar clinic. David Lee Ross lyrics like they were fucking brilliant. There's all these kinds of melodies and shit. Like if you want a comeback record, different kind of truth is awesome in that respect. Like if you want a guns comeback record, do you have any faith that it's going to happen on that level? The answer to your question. I don't think it's gonna happen in my lifetime, number one. (laughs) Bob Rock said it best to Kirk Hammett. Do it. Impress me. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Guitarist of the Year, Mr. People's Choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, play, guitar solo of the year. Like, play the play the guitar solo. I, I love that we're quoting a year and a half in the life of Metallica. That is brilliant. <laughs> I think we all just wanted to talk about Metallica again. Yeah. Like- <laughs> well, all right. So let, let's do it. Okay. So, and Justice for All, greatest metal record ever recorded. Go. I, I, okay. I was joking about talking about Metallica, <laughs> but that, that that is a topic because oh, Justice I mean, for I All think- is. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was done. I was just saying, like, and Justice for All is the greatest metal record ever fucking recorded. Oh, I mean, I don't agree with that, but. Well, I don't. I didn't ask if you agreed. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a fact. Oh, uh, it's not. If no, Guns N' Roses metal can put out another album even remotely comes earlier. close to touching <laughs> what Appetite for Destruction was, I'll give you Use Your Illusion too, for the sake of the argument. <laughs> Do something that actually resembles the band everybody thinks they love because you don't love Guns N' Roses the band that put out six albums you love Appetite ish. for Destruction yeah. you love the band that gets played on the radio you love the singles you love the band that goes and plays live because they're going to play the songs that you like because those are the songs that you've heard and you love there's plenty of good songs by this band you're going to enjoy the band you're just going to have a hard time enjoying these albums. Yeah. It's all about Appetite for Destruction. I don't say this often. I want everyone to give the band the chance they deserve. The chance they deserve is the Silver Greatest Hits album until they give us a new album that can even touch the first one. That is my final thought. John Drake, final thoughts on Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses is one of the most amazing bands to discuss because... They have one record that is so absolutely legendary, and yet that's pretty much. And I like a lot of the stuff they do afterwards. I, you know, I, I, I was on record earlier saying I love Lies, I love Use Your Illusion too, but Appetite for Destruction is pretty much the one. And for everybody, pretty much, it's Appetite for Destruction. And yet they have built a forty-plus year career, or thirty-five plus years. Sorry, my math is off on one record. They're an absolutely fascinating band to talk about because they're on a six-year reunion tour. And as I said at the beginning of the show, I got suckered in. I saw them in 2016 when they really started it. And then I saw them last year. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, Guns N' Roses is back. I'm like, asshole, they've been back for six years. Like, And it's all on the back of Appetite. Like, I don't think there's any other band that has had this lengthy of a career based on one record. And it's fascinating but it's also cool because we have Appetite for Destruction. It is a beautiful record. It is perfect in every way that music can be perfect. So Guns N' Roses, fuck yeah, dude. Guns N' Roses, fuck yeah, dude. That's my final thought. Damn, what about you? Um, Good luck, boys. 
And that's all I got. I mean, just write it for as long as as, as write it as long as you can. I pontificate, and you're like, "Cool, dude." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. I I don't have a whole lot of deep thoughts about Duds and Roses. I think that's hard because like I could go on for hours about a band I hate. I don't hate Guns N' Roses. I just don't love them either. You know, I like that one record. I think that's a pretty good record. That's the only Guns N' Roses album I own is is Appetite for Destruction. I remember getting the vinyl record too. I got it from a Goodwill store in probably like 1993 or something. And uh, I remember opening it up and seeing that robot and the, the woman with her shirt cut open, like laying yep. dead on the ground. Like, uh, yeah, I thought that was just like, that was inc- that that's actually what they wanted to be the original cover. <laughs> the record label yes. said no. <laughs> They're like, no, you guys can't do that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I like that first record. But yeah, this band is a band that I mean, good luck to them if they can if they can keep riding it and they can get another ten years out of it. But I don't know how they're going to do it without producing more material. I think the good thing is is that they've lasted as long as they have. So even if their next record is just a shitty version of appetite for destruction it'll still do all right it just has to sound like that you can't just go like wackadoo in a totally different direction fucking wackadoo yeah <laughs> like i don't know chinese democracy <laughs> yeah that that was what i was referring to yeah <laughs> dude i mean I, I think you said it like you you just said it like it, 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 your your description of the band speaks to how great appetite is you don't like the band didn't want to do this episode but yet you own Appetite for Destruction. That yep. just speaks to how great the record is. We all do, right? I mean, we all have that record. Yep. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is uh, Chinese Democracy by... Uh, no. no. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> literally, literally the best album I've ever heard in my entire life. You guys just don't get it. It's unsung genius. I'm just going to have to go with Erebus again uh, by uh, Venom Prison. Love that. Love that band. Terrifying band. John Drake, what about you? I'm going old school. If old school was last year, I am still, still, still stuck on Mammoth WVH. Yes. The Wolfgang uh, record. You band. and this guy. Dude, I'm telling you that it's it's like peanut butter on the roof of your mouth, man. I cannot get that record out of my head. I can't get the, the hooks out of my head. Like, it's just. It's man, this that record is like when I was a kid, I, and you look forward to it and like naturally recorded shit, like stuff that's not auto tuned. It's like dudes in a room just kicking ass. That's what Mammoth is, but the songs are great. So I'm still stuck on Mammoth WVH. Permission to land by the darkness, because once I started the hard rock train, I could not stop. Meh. And I had to go full glam rock from the early 2000s. <sighs> we did it, gentlemen. We did. We we survived. I completely destroyed your show. I was an ass for most of it. Oh, you're good. I mean, I'm usually the ass. Uh, let me just uh, leave that there for a moment. Hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what's funny about the George Lucas thing is I like didn't even. There's nothing funny about it. Go fuck yourself, Dan. Yeah, no, I didn't even. Um... I'm glad your cars blew up, you <laughs> sucker. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I did. I didn't mean that, but I wasn't even like. Well, it's funny because I wasn't even trying to like say anything bad about George Lucas. I was just like, "Who's a guy that continually always like sits on projects and continually changing them?" It wasn't a good. It wasn't a good example because it's not like George Lucas has been sitting on the Star Wars trilogy for twenty years (laughs) and nobody keeps going back and and changing it. 
It's not like uh, you're right. You and know, so, I just I just think it'd be great if Greedo looked at Han and said McClunky. I don't care. Okay, <laughs> that was a little yeah, whatever. I don't yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that. Like adding a dial. I don't anyway. Whatever. Why Fuck don't we it. end the show before we go on a rampage about Star Wars? All right, <laughs> the show's already over, dickhead. <laughs> oh, I got to do my outro first. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. John Drake, thanks for hanging out, man. You coming back this summer for? Another signature hard rock band. Not going to name yes. names. Not even going to give you initials. It will be, I don't know, maybe we should do it at 5 p.m. or 1 p.m. Or maybe 5 a.m. or 0. Either way, it's going to be motherfucking Van Halen. I'm not recording at midnight, you fuck. Listen to me, dude. <laughs> I'm coming on to discuss the single greatest rock band in the history of recorded music, motherfucking Van Halen, dude. Doesn't matter if it's David Lee Roth. Doesn't matter if it's Sammy Hagar. Doesn't matter if it's Gary Sharon or Mitch Malloy. Yes, that's how much I know about Van Halen. I'm on to talk about goddamn Van Halen, the greatest rock band in the history of recorded everything. Take us out, DFT. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, if you want to hear more episodes like this one, uh, you can check us out at DiscussMetal.com or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you guys would like to reach out to us, you can send us an email at DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. And if you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, please email us at that same email address. You can also follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Discography Discussion. You can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal and on Instagram also at Discuss Metal. As always, guys, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And on that note, this has been episode 265 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Scrooge McDuckin' through your money. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Aw, oh, come on! John Drake and the Nerf Herder Council can be found everywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. As well as Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. We don't let you talk into infinity anymore. No, he gets to. <laughs> I decided. <laughs> Half open, have no fear The truth walks by our side